Good morning. morning. I uh, had a question for you guys. Who here used AOL Instant Messenger? Did anybody? Yeah, it was pretty popular back in the day. It was like the way to communicate. And um, I remember like everybody has like a really embarrassing screen name that they used to use. Um, It was always like uh, Blue Angel Eyes 24223XOXO or something like that. That was mine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, mine was like Orange Smurf 7. I wasn't sure, didn't watch the Smurfs. I just thought it was like a cool thing. Um, and I remember it was like the thing. And what you would do is you would log on. So you'd be like, and then it would like log you on. And um, teens, you may not know this, but you couldn't be on the phone and on Instant Messenger at the same time. So if you're like talking to someone and you're talking to your crush and then you're just like signed off, like, mom, I'm talking to someone down here. Can you please hang up the phone? Um, And it was like, you would have your crush and you're like waiting for them to sign on. And uh, it had this thing where it'd be like, and uh, it was like a door opening and you would see like there, you would see blue angel eyes, XOXO or whatever. And uh, you're like, ah, they're signed on. But you had to play it cool. So you had to like wait and see if they sent you a message. It never happened. They never sent me the message, but I'd wait like 30 seconds, be like, oh, what's up, you know? And, uh, and then you would like put away messages on when you were away. Uh, it, it was usually like a simple plan lyric or something like that. Um, that didn't hit as much of the demographic as uh, I was hoping. Um, but, uh, but there is bad news. Uh, December 15th of this year, uh, AIM is officially like done. Like AOL is officially like ending it, which is crazy. Um, I wonder if there's like one person in here who actually uses it. It's like, what? Are you serious? That's how we communicate. Um, but for most people, it's like, oh, wow. Uh, but I remember it was such a big deal back in the day. And to think that something that was such a big deal, like everything has a timeline. There's phases for everything. You know, a lot of people my age, we used MySpace back in the day. MySpace was so big and you had your profile. And a fun thing you could do is you could take surveys, and you take the results of your survey, you'd put it on your MySpace profile. And I was real big into Laguna Beach. I don't know if anybody saw that show. It was, a, uh, it was, a, it was supposed to be real life, but it was all scripted. And uh, there was this guy on the show named Talon that I thought was so cool. He was like a surfer. And so I remember there was this, this survey, and it was like, which one of the Laguna Beach characters are you? And I took it, and I didn't get talent, so I took it like four or five times and finally got the result and then posted that to my MySpace, like, hey, guys, got talent, like, no big deal. Um, and, and then you would, like, post your, um, like your, your, your song on your profile. Like, you would pick a song you'd put on your profile. And I was, like, a little baby hipster. Like, I didn't want anybody else to, like, steal my song. I wanted it to be, like, a band that nobody knew of. And um, MySpace came, and it went. Uh, Pokemon Go, man, that was a huge thing. Everybody was obsessed with it. And that lasted, like, two weeks, literally. And I saw this article the other day. It was, like, someone finally caught all of the Pokemon, and no one cared. Like, it was... (laughs) It came, and it went. Um... We're in our series called Fear is a Liar, and we're talking about different fears that we, that we face in life. A lot of times we have fear that completely immobilizes us, it cripples us, it keeps us from living for Christ, from really living the life that God has for us. Um, a lot of fears that we have are of things that will never happen. But we're going to talk today about something, it's a fear of something that absolutely will happen. 
Two things will happen to everyone in life. Everyone's born and everyone will die. Uh, what we're talking about today is the fear of death. Um, I'm going to show you guys a video from What About Bob. I think we've shown this before, but it's a perfect, perfect application for today. So check this out. Bob? Yeah? Are you afraid of death? Yeah. Me too. There's no way out of it. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to happen. And what difference does it make if it's tomorrow or 80 years? Much sooner in your case. Do you know how fast time goes? I was six, like yesterday. Me too. I'm going to die. You are going to die. What else is there to be afraid of? All right, so he hit the nail on the head. You know, we are all going to die. I think a lot of us have a fear of death, of dying. It's a real fear, and, and I understand it because life is fragile. It is so fragile. You think about it, if you're driving one slip of the wheel, and, and life is over. Life is so fragile. So I understand why a lot of times we, we carry this fear of dying. It is inevitable. Um, you know, there is evil in the world. There is sickness that, that leads to death. 7,000 people die every hour. Um, there's, you know, there's evil in the world that we can't even, that, that we can't do anything about. I mean, like, you, you see what happened in Las Vegas. So many people that, that died because of one man being, being so evil. You know, death is, is scary. It, 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 can, it can cause fear in our lives. But I want to let you know today that uh, when, when we put our faith in Jesus, as scary as death can be, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to be slaves to the fear of death. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Um, this is a great passage. It says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You see, what this is saying is that we can be slaves to the fear of dying, but what Jesus did for us can set us free from that fear. We're going to talk a little bit um, about the, the beginning of that, that passage a little bit later. But what does it look like to be slaves to the fear of dying? It, it makes itself evident in a lot of ways in our lives. Sometimes it's, it's just you're constantly thinking about, I, I do not want to die. You have a fear of dying. Sometimes you don't want to go out and do anything. You're scared to go to events or you're scared to do things because of the fear of dying. There, there are things that could happen. Or maybe you're, 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 um, you know, you're scared about your family, your kids. You're constantly thinking about the fear of, of dying, of death. You fear the afterlife. You fear what's after this. Um, it, it may be that whenever you get sick, you're, you're convinced that you are dying. Um, you know, we've all Google searched when we have a cold, and it's like, 
holy smokes, I'm dying. It's like, no, you got a stuffy nose. Um, WebMD is just, it, it's sick itself. It just tries to convince people of other things. But, um, you know, sometimes it's even just an obsession with trying to stay young. Like, you, you don't want to age. You know, the, the fear of dying, it, it, it manifests itself in, in so many different ways in our lives. And so if we want to be free, like this says, free from the fear of dying, free from being slaves of that fear, um, we're, we're going to take a look at that today in 1 Corinthians 15. We have to see what Christ has to offer us. You know, sometimes we fear dying uh, because we think, what if this is it? What if this is it? What if I just live this life and I die and that's it? Sometimes we fear that. Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's a scientist, and he was talking to Larry King. And Larry King asked him about eternity. He asked him about uh, what happens when you die. Is there an afterlife? And Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of eloquently put, um, you know what, a lot of people fear not being alive anymore. Uh, he, he, and he kind of had this poetic way of saying, what happens is I... Um, will, you know, I have eaten of the, of the flowers and the fauna and the, the, basically all of the earth in order to keep me alive. And he's like, when I die, I want to be buried into the earth and, and all of the energy that I took from the earth, I will put back into the earth. And, um, and, and he put it really eloquently. But then, you know, when you really think about it, it didn't, it didn't solve it. It's like, well, yeah, but that, that means this life is just meaningless. That we basically do everything we do just to go back into the earth. And, and Larry King, he said, he's like, man, that scares me. He said, I can't stand the thought of non-existence. Some of you may have that fear today. You may think, what happens when I die? What will happen? And you have that fear of not knowing. You are a slave to that fear. You see, when man sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, it made us to where we were confined by time. Every person in life has a timeline because of sin. Some have a longer timeline, some have a shorter timeline. But there is an end to each and every one of us. And sometimes we fear because we wonder, what if this is it? And so that leads us to our first promise, the very first thing that God has to offer us. And the first thing is eternity. Number one is eternity. And you can, you can write this in your notes. We also have an app that uh, has the notes in there that you can fill out. But number one is eternity. This is the first promise that we need to hold on to if we, if we want to be free from the fear of dying. 1 Corinthians 15, this is going to be our passage. Um, we're going to kind of walk through this, but starting in verse 45, it says, The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. And then you go down to verse 50. It says, What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. So you see, every person has a timeline. Our bodies, our physical bodies, cannot inherit what will last forever. But what we do see is that Jesus made it to where there is something that will last forever. There is something that is offered to us. Eternity is offered to us. And Jesus made that possible by, by coming down to earth, by becoming human. 
Um, I listened to this, uh, ESPN has a 30 for 30 podcast, and there was this really interesting one about this guy named James Scott. And James Scott was a really good boxer, but he got into some trouble and um, was convicted of a robbery, I believe, and ended up in uh, maximum security prison in New Jersey. However, he was an amazing boxer, and uh, basically the warden of the prison decided, man, we should start a boxing program here where we kind of train the guys in, in the prison to be, you know, cut men and trainers and boxers and all this to where when they get out of prison, they have jobs. And uh, so this guy, James Scott, they wanted to find someone who was going to fight him. And they were actually able to convince the guy that was kind of one of the top boxers um, to, his name is Eddie Gregory. They convinced him to box James Scott. But obviously James Scott could not be, could not go out of prison. So Eddie Gregory had to go into the prison. And HBO actually covered it. You can actually YouTube the fight, James Scott versus Eddie Gregory. Not right now, when you go home, please. Uh, But the um, HBO, like they were bringing everything into the prison. They had to bring in like the boom mics and and the cameras and everything had to be like, you know, cleared in the prison. And they said that they had to, like, keep track of everything because they were like, if there's, like, a uh, really long cord and then someone, like, you know, gets it and, and basically gets over a fence and, like, that's on us. Like, if someone, like, uh, escapes prison because we left something um, back, they had to be extremely careful. And, and it was really interesting because uh, James Scott actually ended up beating Eddie Gregory. And it was, like, this big upset. And, and it led to, like, eight more victories where these guys would come into the prison and box this guy. And uh, it was really, really interesting. But the, the, the amazing thing is that uh, Eddie Gregory, in order to fight James Scott, he had to go where James Scott was. He couldn't stay there and, and, and fight James Scott outside of the prison. He had to enter into the prison in order to be able to fight him. And so it makes me think about Jesus where, where it talks about that verse in, in Hebrews where it says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. So you see, Jesus knew that we, because of sin, have a timeline. And Jesus is eternal, so he is outside of time. He's outside of death. And what Jesus had to do in order to fight death is he had to enter in, just like the prison, he had to enter into this timeline of ours. He had to become a human with flesh and blood because it says that only as a human could he die and only with his death could he defeat death. So you see, Jesus entered into our timeline so that he could defeat death. And only because of that, only because he came down as a man, lived, was crucified on the cross, and then rose again in three days. Only because of that are we even offered eternity. But you see, Jesus defeated death. So the thing is, when we put our faith in him, there's nothing to fear. Because he came in to our world and defeated the very thing that we are most afraid of. Jesus defeated death. You know, we have a promise that this does not have to be it. We don't have to fear eternity. But then sometimes we fear what will happen if there is eternity? What, what, what is after this? You know, sometimes people live their lives and they're hanging on to life because they think there may be an eternity, but will I go to heaven or hell? Will I, was I good? Was I bad? What will happen? And we fear, we know that there's eternity, but we fear that eternity. We fear what's after life. 
we try to hang on to everything. It's kind of like uh, when I was growing up, my mom had a rule where she said, hey, like if you want a friend to spend the night, you do not ask in front of that friend or their parent or anybody else because that puts me in a really bad situation. And um, every once in a while, though, like I really wanted my friend to spend the night and I knew like if I ask in front of like my friend and, and his mom, like there's no way she can say no. And so I'd be like, Hey, Mom, I was thinking, like, could Jonathan spend the night? She'd be like, you know what? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. And then my friend Jonathan would spend the night. And then, like, the next day, I remember thinking, like, Jonathan cannot leave. He cannot leave. <laughs> like, I need to keep him here. Or I'd be like, Jonathan, you ask your mom if I can go to your house and, like, have no downtime in between. Because I was, like, hanging on to it because I knew the second that my friend left and that door closed, it was like, we talked about this, and you are in big trouble, you know, and so I was like holding on. I didn't want my friend to leave. A lot of people do that. They hang on to life desperately because they don't want to face what happens after they die. They have that fear where it's like, what will happen when I die? What if eternity is real? What will happen? And the thing is that the second thing that Christ offers us to where we don't have to fear death is immortality. Immortality. The Bible actually talks about um, how we are offered immortality in these bodies to where we don't have to fear. If we put our faith in Jesus, we do not have to fear eternity. We don't have to fear what's to come. You know, sometimes we get so worried. We, we, we hang on to this life so much because we don't even want to think about eternity. We hang on to it so much that we, it puts us in a fear that we end up not doing anything in life. We're scared to take risks. We're scared to do anything. You know, it, it makes me think of this, um, you know, this one video that we're about to show. But um, just so you guys know, um, YOLO was like a phrase that came and went. Um, it, but it meant like you only live once. And so it was kind of like a like, like a battle cry, like, yo, YOLO, like, do it, YOLO, you only live once. And um, this, this group called Lonely Island, it's like Andy Samberg and some of his friends, I don't know if you've seen Hot Rod, but um, the same geniuses that came up with that uh, came up with this, this song called YOLO that kind of does a twist on it to where it's like, if you only live once, we should probably be like extremely careful. So go ahead and check out this song. is a precious gift, so don't get too crazy, it's not worth the risk. Yeah. 
All right. So, so the whole thing of that song is like, hey, like a fear of death. Like a fear of, hey, we only live once, so we have to hold on to this life with everything we have. We can't take any risks. We can't do anything crazy. We have to hang on to this life. But the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross is it offered us immortality. And with that, it means we do not have to have such a fear of taking risks. We, we, we don't have to hang on to this life so desperately because we know this is not what we're living for. We have another life that we have been offered. So death has nothing on us because we, we, our physical bodies may die, but we are guaranteed another life that is, that is in the midst of perfection, in the midst of Jesus himself. First uh, Corinthians 15 it says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. 2 Timothy 1.10, it says, and now he has made all of this plain to us by, appearing, uh, by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So we see that Jesus, through his death on the cross, offers us immortality. But what it's saying is that your immortality is not going to be in your physical body now. It's going to be in your spiritual body. When, when, when you die, if you have given your life to Jesus, if he is your savior, then you are offered immortality in a body that you are to have when you die or when Jesus comes back. And so the thing is that, that so many times we fear death and we hang on to this life, to our physical bodies, and we think we can't allow anything to happen. Nothing can happen. I'm so scared of getting sick. I'm so scared of, of going someplace and something bad happening. I'm so scared of something happening to my kids. And those are all legitimate. I do not want to downplay that at all, but I want to let you know that we are offered immortality to where we do not have to live in that fear anymore. We don't have to be slaves to it. We have to be smart. We're not supposed to do stupid things. We're supposed to be good stewards of our bodies and good stewards of the life that God has given us. But we are offered that ability to take risks and to, and to uh, not live in that fear of, of dying. You know, so it, it's kind of like money. We are called to be good stewards of our money. We're not supposed to be stupid with our money. But the thing is that, that um, we, are not, we are never meant to obsess over our money, to hang on to it and just clench it and be so scared of losing it. It's the same thing with our body. Sometimes we obsess over the life that we have right now, our physical bodies. I want to ask you, do you age well? And when I say that, what I mean is that when you start to age, when, you, when things start happening to where you get some gray hairs or you may get some wrinkles or, or life starts happening, you start to bawl, different things that show that you're aging, how do you handle that? How do you handle that? Because sometimes when we are so scared of death, we are so scared of the things that show us that these, these bodies, bodies are mortal. So anytime we start to get gray hair, or we start to get some wrinkles, or, or we start to see that our bodies are breaking down a little bit, sometimes we get so scared and fearful and try to run away from that. But I feel like God wants us to almost embrace the mortality to where we say, listen, my hope is not in this physical body. My hope is not in this life. There are things that are happening because there is sin in this world, but my hope is not in the fact that, that, uh, that my hope is not in this life right here. My hope is in eternity. So I'm going to ask you, like, do you obsess? Like, what do you focus more on? Do you focus more on your physical body or your soul? 
because one of them is going to last forever. It's not your physical body. It's your soul. So do you spend more time working on your character and thinking on your relationship with Christ and all of that? Or is it only about how you look? Because we're supposed to steward our bodies. We are supposed to work on our fitness and work on all these different things. We're supposed to take care of what God has given us. I totally believe that. But we are never meant to obsess over it, and we're never meant to only focus on this. We're, we're supposed to focus on that that is eternal. And so, um, you know, if we put our faith in Jesus, he promises us immortality. So we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear getting older. We can embrace the fact that these bodies are mortal, but we are offered immortality through Jesus. We have a promise that this, um, for sure, is, is not it if you've accepted Jesus' death in your place. So, um, you know, we've, we've talked about how God offers us eternity. He offers us immortality. The third thing is that Christ offers us authority. Authority. You know, life is still fragile. Jesus died on the cross. He defeated death. But this life is still fragile. There are still terrible things that happen. There is still evil in the world there are things that I cannot explain to you. I don't have an explanation for it. I could try to throw out a verse, but it wouldn't help. There, the, life is difficult. It is hard. There is still pain. There's still mourning. There is still, it, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that death doesn't hurt. So when there's the death of a loved one or even a result of, of sickness or evil or pain, it still hurts. But the thing is that we have authority over Satan and over death and over sin. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, uh, 54 through 55, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? You see, we, it, it, it's saying there, when our bodies, our dying bodies, have been transformed into the bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Uh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? So it's saying when we cross over, when we go to heaven, when we get those bodies that will never die, that will be when we're able to say, death, where is your sting? But while we're still on this earth, it still is hard. It still is difficult. If a loved one dies, it, that is hard. In no way are you supposed to deny the fact that, that death is difficult. When a loved one dies, it is hard. But the thing is that we have authority now to say to Satan, listen, death may be here now, but you were defeated. So there is a day where there will be no tears. There will be no pain. There will be no evil. There will be no death that I have to worry about. Because you were defeated. And, and you can say, I have the authority to operate in that mindset. To know that I have a hope. So when Satan tries to whisper in your ear and tries to get you to worry about death. To, to be a slave to the fear of death. You can have the authority to use the name of Jesus and say, no, Jesus defeated you. I don't have to live as a slave to this anymore because that death has been defeated. And yes, this body will break down and it will die one day. But I will, I will be in eternity with Jesus because he defeated you. And when you get to stand in that authority, kind of have that, that power to say that, 
It, 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 it makes it to where you do not have to live in that fear anymore. You know, we have the authority to say death may be difficult, but there will be a day when there is no death. And we can live that way now. We can live with that kind of joy. You know, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Sometimes we think we have to be happy all the time. That's not true. Life is hard. We still feel the results of sin and death. We don't have to be happy all the time, but we can be joyful all the time. We can be joyful in the midst of pain and suffering and sorrow. We have that authority because of Jesus. You can choose joy no matter what you're going through. You have the authority to tell Satan that whatever threats of death he has for you don't scare you anymore because you are held by a God who defeated death. We have a hope that he is coming back. In the book of Daniel, there was a king called King Nebuchadnezzar, and he had this statue he wanted everyone to bow down to. There's these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they decided we are not going to bow down to that statue. And King Nebuchadnezzar told them, hey, if you do not bow down to this, there is a fiery furnace that we will throw you in and you will die. It says that the guards but didn't even enter the furnace, got close to it, and they were killed because it was so hot. And so they are faced with death. And um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is what they said. It says that they replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So look at that part where they say, he will rescue us from your power. And, and the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. We're saying, listen, we don't have to fear your death. We don't. Because we have a God who can save us. We have a God who can take us from your authority, from your power. And we have the authority to say that God is able to save us. You know, use the name of Jesus when Satan tries to overwhelm you with this world. There are things in this world that are very difficult. You turn on the news and it just brings pain and sorrow. And it's just like, God, what's going on here? And Satan tries to get you to operate in that pain. Where you just throw up your hands and just say, it's all useless. We're all going to die. There's evil just going crazy in the world. What am I supposed to do? And we have the authority to say, you know what, Satan? No. Right now, there may be people who are choosing to not live for God. And they may be choosing evil. But death has been defeated. We have a God who can save us. We have a God who, who, who has the authority and who has defeated death. We don't have to live in that anymore. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we believe that God can save us. We believe that God can heal. We are, we are children of the God who is the ultimate healer. You know, something that kind of, it kind of eased the, 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 the question sometimes that I have of, man, why is there sickness in this world? Why, why do people get sick? And, and then the, the question of healing, because... Um, 
You know, sometimes it's hard because you pray for someone to be healed and it doesn't happen in the way that you wanted it to happen. But then I, had a, I heard a pastor talk about this where every believer, if you have given your life to Jesus, every single believer, will, God will heal, will heal them. And I thought, man, that's kind of weird. Like, is it, what's going on? But there's three ways that God heals believers. One is immediate. One is like the miracle where it's just unexplainable in this world where it's just like immediate healing. Someone's prayed over and, and God just heals them right away. I feel like we all know that that doesn't happen 100% of the time. There have been times where I pray for someone and, and they're not healed immediately. But there's three ways that God heals. He heals immediately. Sometimes he heals gradually to where it's a process where someone may have cancer now, but in three, four years, they're cancer-free. But then the third way is ultimate healing. Think about it. If someone has given their life to Christ and Let's say they have cancer and they end up dying. They are ultimately healed. In that moment, they don't have to live in that body anymore that breaks them down, that brings them sickness, that brings them pain. They are ultimately healed forever. So the thing is, we have that authority where we can say, you know what, even if I'm sick, I know, I know we have a God who is a healer. And here's the cool thing is that God is outside of time. So he knows exactly out of those three ways, the very best way that is going to bring the most people who are spiritually dead to life. So think about that. When God heals a believer, he knows, okay, th this is, is going to be what brings the most people to life spiritually, brings the most people to him. And so he promises we have that authority to where he will use whatever sickness we have in a way that we don't have to fear death because he's going to use it. And it doesn't make it easy. I promise you that. It doesn't make it easy when someone dies or you have a sickness. In no way. But I promise you, I promise you that God is going to use that in a way that, that um, brings people to him, that brings people who are spiritually dead to eternal life. So we talked about eternity. We talked about um, immortality, authority. The very last thing that Christ offers us is victory. Victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 or 57 said, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis said this, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. You see, we have victory, not just in our future lives, but we are offered victory in this life. Because the lie of sin is that you need to satisfy whatever desire you have in this life because this is it. So whatever you are feeling right now, you need to operate in that. But what, what Jesus is saying is that um, this isn't it. This is not it. C.S. Lewis says it here. We have a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, so we are made for another world, so we have the victory to say, you know what, Satan, you're telling me right now that I need to do this thing because this is it. This is all we have, so I might as well live it up, do whatever I can. But what God's saying to you today is this isn't it. You can operate in eternity right now. You can have that victory to where when you are tempted to do something, you can say no. I'm not going to just do the thing that feels good right now. I'm going to operate in eternity. 
I want to make the decision that makes the most sense in eternity, that brings the most people to Jesus in eternity. You can have that victory today because this isn't it. Not only did Christ defeat sin and death, but he gives us a victory. And he made it to where the very worst thing that Satan can do to us is the greatest thing that could ever happen to us. Think about that. If you have given your life to Jesus, the very, be- the very worst thing on this earth that can happen to you is ultimately the very best thing that could ever happen to you. You are in the presence of God himself. The love that you have been yearning for, you will be in that presence in an instant. Satan has no more power over you anymore. You do not need to be a slave to fear anymore. Because Jesus defeated death. And he made it to where you no longer have to fear that. You know, um, sometimes Amber and I will be in in a location where there's like a timeshare uh, sales pitch or something like that. And and Amber will tell me before, like, we're we're not going to do this. We don't have the money. This isn't smart. And I agree. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And we'll go in. And they kind of like do the presentation and they say like, okay, this is the price. And then it's like, oh, no, thanks. And then they're like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, you are pretty nice. So we're going to cut it down to, it's like, of course. Uh, So they have some new price. And Amber will look at me and she's like, that is a pretty good price. (laughs) And and like she's saying it like, and I know she doesn't want to buy it, but like she just says it to like, like she's just like it is a pretty good price and then she'll be like well whatever my husband says and I'm like what a lose-lose situation like either one I look like a terrible husband whereas sometimes share down in Orlando or whatever you know like it's either it's either that like where I'm just saying no um, we can't do that uh, or I have to buy a timeshare that I can't afford it is a lose-lose situation the thing with 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 what Jesus did on the cross is we forever have a win-win situation when it comes to death. What Paul says in Philippians 1 is for to me, living means living for Christ. So if I'm here on this earth, just like with our vision, we can make a difference. There's nothing greater in life. We can make a difference. But what he says is, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. So he's saying, you know, Paul here, he's in prison. His health probably isn't doing great. And he's saying, hey, listen, if I live, that's awesome. Because I'm living for Christ. And I'm making a difference for him. And I'm bringing people to him. But if I die, that's even better. Because I get to be in the presence of God. We have a win-win situation here on earth. We don't have to fear death anymore. So what's our response to this? The first is if you are a believer, if you have given your life to Jesus, if you have trusted in his death on the cross to save you, Paul says this, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. He's saying, hey, listen, be strong and immovable. If you want to know how to conquer this fear of death, he says, work enthusiastically for the Lord. Because nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So he's saying, if you have that fear of death, get plugged in. Do something that makes an eternal difference. Because when you are operating in eternity, this life, it's nothing. You don't have to fear it anymore. 
But you know, I'm doing a work that is making an eternal difference. I'm bringing people to Jesus to where they're going to be with him forever. I don't have to fear death. He's saying, get plugged in. I want to challenge some of you. You've been coming to church, and we're so glad you're here. But if you want to start making some steps towards freedom, you've got to start getting plugged in here. I want to encourage you, go to Growth Track today. Get plugged in today. Figure out where you can serve today. You may already be on a dream team. Serve in a way that makes an eternal difference. Start coming up with ways that we can get into our community and make an eternal difference because when we operate in eternity, we don't have to fear the mortal. And then the last thing is if some of you in here have never given your life to Jesus, you've never You've never trusted in his death on the cross. You have been trying to do it all yourself. You've been trying to be good enough to make it to heaven. And here's something that I have to tell you is that we will never be good enough to make it to heaven. We simply can't do it. Like, like that verse said, these bodies cannot in, inherit eternal life. Our bodies can't even handle it. It's our flesh and blood. We inherently cannot do what we're supposed to do. But here's the thing. It says the, the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you've been trying to do it on your own, the bad news is you can't do it on your own. The good news is there's a gift of God that is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want to encourage you today today make that decision it's a change in your mind where you say i'm not going to try to make it to heaven on my own i can't do it on my own i'm giving up i'm giving jesus everything i'm letting him know i've, I've tried to make it on my own i've sinned i've messed up but because of jesus i don't have to fear death anymore you know uh jesus said um there, there was this guy lazarus he was jesus's friend and uh it was mary and martha's brother and he had died and and um, eventually we know that Jesus raised Lazarus to life, but uh, Jesus is talking to Martha, and she's upset, understandably so. Her brother just died, and he says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And I want to say today, you can put your name in right there. Where God is saying right now, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? Your name. You have that decision today. We're going to pray here in a little bit. And I'm going to lead in a prayer. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, just pray the prayer with me. The words aren't magic. It's not the words that save you. It's the belief in your heart that Jesus defeated death. And he did it for you. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, that we don't have to fear death. Lord, the very thing that can make us a slave, we can be free of today. God, I pray for everyone that has the fear of death, the fear of dying, God, to know that we don't have to have that fear anymore. Lord, you've promised us eternity immortality, authority, victory. And because of that, Lord, we have nothing to fear. 
God, right now, I want to pray for those in here who have never believed in you for their salvation. They may know of who you are or believe that you walk this earth, but they've never believed in your cross to be the only thing that can save them. God, I pray right now that they would make that decision. If that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for defeating death. Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. And I'm sorry for trying to do it on my own. But right now, I'm turning to you. I'm taking your death in my place. I'm taking your love instead of my sin. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you. In your name I pray, amen.